Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Mel Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. Hey, it's a 15! <laughs> gets a little dicey hot dicey uh-huh. uh 15's always solid <laughs> in my world yeah you can make a 15 work mm-hmm. and that's what we're gonna do now so this episode we, we're kind of like it's like a potluck up in here we've got <laughs> a little bit it's delicious it's all delicious it's gonna be a little bit the the adventure zone zone it's gonna be a little bit the adventure zone fur and it's gonna be a little bit the adventure zone elementary it's a lot and there's really no well, you said it, Anne, before we started recording. There's really no linear way yeah. to break down all of these things without kind of just repeating what they've already said it, mm-hmm. once you listen to the episodes. So we're just gonna we're just gonna have our little chat sesh, and we will start with the the Adventure Zone Zone since that is something everybody was privy to, even if you don't have access to the bonus content for the Max mm-hmm. Fun Drive. So this is our the 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 Adventure Zone Zone Zone. Exactly. Right. You have us. to say that like like you're announcing a truck rally. Yeah. The, the, the adventure zone, zone, zone. There you go. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> Free balloons for the kids. <laughs> Bring your grandparents. <laughs> um, can I start us off Please. with having a minor flashback <laughs> when when Justin says it's goulash time? I had to think <laughs> back and wonder if my parents had lied to me about what that is as well. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so I, and then I wanted to look up what goulash was, but my internet had run out. And so I just had to sit <laughs> and wonder, like, did we eat goulash? You just was have a goulash existential crisis. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> well, now let me look it up. No, I feel like our goulash was correct because I was okay. in my mind it was right. And hear me looking it up, I'm like, no, no, this looks like what we ate. It's it's your meat with your noodles and your spices. Yeah. And okay, good. It's yes. basically a stew. We're all good yeah, I mean the flavor is a little different than your standard beef stew, right? Because uh, it's Hungarian or Czech. There's also Czech goulash. Yes, it is a like a tomato based stew, perhaps. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> So that's been settled. There was one thing our parents didn't lie to you about. Finally, I found the one thing. Based all my truths on that. So now that we've had the goulash thing figured out, um, I Thank think you. I, I really liked this. <laughs> I really liked this episode of the the Adventure Zone Zone because we got to talk about amnesty and they were still touching mm-hmm. on balance. It's like an ad. It's an added perspective, right? To to be able to talk about balance, exactly. but also talk about amnesty at the same time, and a little bit about the experimental arcs because. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, I don't want to say distance from balance because, I mean, they're still doing it in the live shows, which I'm assuming we're going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. But, we will, um, yeah. But, but it's still, it, it gives you, they're far enough in amnesty now, I think, to yeah. analyze what they did in balance in a different way and analyze yes. what they're doing in amnesty in a different way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To that effect, I liked Clint's remark, I think, stood out to me a lot in that just the difference even in the character's. And how quickly they were able to find them in Amnesty. Now, mm-hmm. granted, you know, we started off from two very different points with Amnesty and Balance. But I liked the discussion that that, that, that created. Yeah. And it just it further proves that Balance for what it is, like many things with it, I think that 
it just like there's no way knowing what we know knowing what everybody knows these boys especially there's no way you can recreate the genuine ignorance i think that they started <laughs> off with in balance and right. really made this this yeah. perfect mm-hmm. you know it to- it made this that story perfect for what it is but i right. like that now amnesty is different because you just can't recreate that thing in balance and there's yeah. n- one is not better than the other i just really mm-hmm. like looking at it and thinking about that critically. It's a different place to be coming from. I mean, I, I was not surprised by Justin saying that he struggled more with the pressure of creating a character from the get-go as opposed to like Absolutely. kind of evolving into it over time. Because yeah. he, uh-huh. he strikes me as the sort of person who, like me, I think, honestly, that you get you get caught up too much in the pressure of doing it right as opposed mm-hmm. to kind of being able to let yourself find it over time. And if you have no choice then it can be more organic and you you have less time to trip yourself up um, yes. with, uh-huh. with overthinking of it. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I also appreciate and respect that they're still trying to find this middle ground between with characters yeah. and with the story of planning and flexibility, which is kind of the fundamental challenge of doing actual play or I mean, really stories, but but certainly actual play of of how you figure out the way to balance the interplay between those two things. That's exactly it. I think it's, you know, you see it not only in them creating the characters and how they react and build them differently, but also I liked the way that they described the difference between balance and amnesty in that the story imbalance was happening to the characters versus in amnesty, the characters are the ones driving the story. I think Mm -hmm. that was Travis who said that. And I really liked Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, Clint Clint said something similar um, about it about it being more character driven, and I do I do agree with that. I slightly disagree with Travis about the difference being the genre and that genre affects character yeah. stakes because I think agree, your character yeah. stakes should be really high either way. Like you should be able to have the right. personal stakes for your characters be high regardless of whether or not the world is at risk or I don't know their house is at risk. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh-huh. but I've, I've also spent like a ridiculous amount of time with the kind of monster of the week genre that they're they're currently working in. So I yeah, I think I may I may have a different perspective on that, that they're yeah. they're just it's just a different way of perceiving the stakes. And I, I think I think they've been able to do large and small scale stakes really well in, in both in both balance and amnesty. Totally agree. Uh-huh. And you're right. You are, I think, of the three of us because they specifically name Supernatural as yeah. the kind of monster of the week kind of show. And I know Several you times. are an X-Files fan. And, oh, yeah. you know, it's yeah. it's very much those kinds of things where it is kind of a beat by beat stake going on versus what will happen when this thing, this universe destroyer essentially yeah. shows up to our, our planet here. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our season finale, if you will. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the difference between we're building up toward one big bad, which, I mean, maybe we are in Amnesty too. It kind of feels like we are in Amnesty too. Mm-hmm. And, and they do talk about this specifically with characters. You're dealing with more mundane things along the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even then the fact that it is a character class. But I think that that's, they even say it that like, I guess in Dungeons and Dragons, it's funny that the difference between them dealing with this like world ending threat, they all felt kind of invincible to me whereas like Mm -hmm. in this show there have been a couple times where i'm like i think with ned and duck specifically i thought either one of them might die oh yeah absolutely right you know and that's kind of buck wild when you think about you know this is this is a franchise at this point you have to keep them alive but i think that the the threat is it, it feels more 
real in Amnesty. Yeah. Yeah, I like how they were bringing up that point in how they find Amnesty to be darker. And Mm -hmm. it's darker because it's real, because you don't have that fantasy element of it, because I could be me, Brittany Bailey, in that situation and have to figure it out. Like, yes, there's still fantasy elements, but there's also police force and there's also consequences to your actions that are consequences that we understand Mm -hmm. as a human society versus taco throwing somebody off the side of a cliff nobody cares that's never going to come back to him (laughs) exactly if they were trying to pull that shit in amnesty oh yeah for sure z could be like what the goddamn hell are you even trying we're dealing with three serial killers up in this right you cannot Which, rob ooh. a bank and, and not have anyone notice. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and just skip town and go somewhere else. It's fine. Right. We'll just get in this bubble and see ya. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think um, when they were talking earlier about uh, making the decision to move into Amnesty and whether or not they had gone into another season too quickly or not, uh, I, I do think that mm. Amnesty, in, in the ways that it's different, that those stakes, um, those really personal and, and weirdly relatable stakes, considering there are monsters in it, it it makes it easier to get into it quickly. Like, I think if they yeah. had started something else that wasn't grounded in reality, like, say, they had decided, okay, now we're doing a space opera, um, and mm-hmm. it had been similar in some ways to Balance, but in a different setting, I, I feel like we bonded with these characters much quicker because mm-hmm. the stakes were there because we were like oh i like this person oh no i'm worried something bad is going to happen to them yeah right and that it seemed it seemed so imminent mm-hmm. that's a good point they feel human they yeah. we aren't dealing with you know a flip wizard and a protection fighter and this you know somebody yeah. who can magically well now we have somebody who can magically heal people but <laughs> initially but can she she's working on it like, <laughs> she, she got cheap she, she is kind of like merle like Aubrey's got a poster of Merle on her wall. She's like, someday, someday I'm going to be a dope-ass druid. He's not a druid. He's not a druid. He's a cleric. That's the word I meant. It was all that plant stuff that messed me up. (laughs) You were just thinking about vines at that point, I think. (laughs) Merle was very, he was very clear on his brand. And that was, that's what, that's what I took away from it, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I think... I think you totally hit on it in that not only are they relatable, but also the humanity of them makes us almost more protective of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that goes, you know, hand in hand with the fact that, you know, they say flat out and they've said flat out multiple times that in the start of balance, it was all a big joke. Yeah. Right. Nobody was taking anything yeah. seriously. Yeah, I, I mean, wanted to bring that up, but I wasn't sure how to. In that, they go. really stumbled into balance. They fell yeah. ass backwards. That was, into that was a beautiful mistake. <laughs> it was so beautiful that they were just dicking around and having an off, and not even an off date, but like yeah, it was supposed to be filler. Yeah, it was did they do to it for filler. fraternity leave? Yeah, for Justin. Yeah, yeah, and then from that grew this amazingly huge and intense story. Yeah, that you know built a following and now we've got this and so it is hard to follow that up that something you didn't even intend to be Mm -hmm. anything really turned into something incredible and now you've got a and here's season two and i of course um i think they're nailing it i think that they're bringing it without trying to replicate Mm -hmm. they have 
given us, again, amazing characters, amazing story, mm-hmm. amazing play. And we're, we're still here every other week for it. So, so, yeah, it really is like just dining at a whole different restaurant. Like the food is mm-hmm. amazing. It's just a completely different cuisine, essentially. Yeah. But the mm-hmm. same chefs. Yeah. Somehow. You guys yeah. are so talented. Yeah. <laughs> we show up I mean, there. We're like, didn't I just see you down the road at the Mexican restaurant? Now they have now a mustache they've all got on. mustaches. Hey, yes. <laughs> now we're at the Italian restaurant. <laughs> they all have mustaches. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I was interested to hear them talk about, um, about Amnesty and about how it had evolved um even at the beginning there that they had sort of had griffin had had this kind of persona concept and it's clearly nothing really like that oh no uh, yeah and and i i do think that they kind of confirmed that this is more collaborative like i feel like it's unfair to word it that way because it you know i know there was a lot of criticism about parts of balance and about it being on rails which i have never agreed with me um, either but i do think that they have it's not so much that they're collaborating more but that they've gotten better at collaborating Yes. Uh, better at feeding uh-huh. off of each other. And I think that Griffin, in becoming more confident as a storyteller, it's it's given him more more ability to not plan ahead. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was interested to hear him say that he really doesn't know where he's going. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's an, an exciting and terrifying thing to admit as a storyteller. <laughs> like, well, sure. don't really know what's happening. I'm going to build this parachute <laughs> on the way down. Uh, but you know, at least you're not alone in doing it. You've got another few pairs of hands to figure it out. Right. That's the kicker in the fact that by becoming more confident, he could step away more. Like yeah. he had more faith in letting go. Yeah. Which I think mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's more faith in, in their ability to, you know, his brothers and his dad's ability to yeah, play the game you. and to find, to find the spaces in the game that are worth telling a story about. Yeah. Which is their, I, I mean, I would think is, is a huge challenge that you're not just mm-hmm. trying to think about this from a storytelling standpoint, but also how you do that um, as guided or shaped by by what's happening with roles and, and what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And that's where that creativity and that confidence really comes in is, like you said, with roles. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter what you as the storyteller wants Ned to do. If he doesn't make that role, if he doesn't go get that gun. Yeah. You have to pivot in that moment. Uh-huh. And that takes confidence in knowing that you can piece it together with whatever's going to happen next. I was I was going to say about, yeah. um, you know, that the game being determined by these roles and that Griffin says later um, in the episode that stories pivot on failures. Ooh, yeah. uh, and I was I was kind of like, oh, man, I, I I sort of want to embrace that maybe as a life philosophy. It's a little scary to embrace it that way. But I mean, that is sort of how they got into balance, too. I mean, not not as a failure, but as certainly as an accident, as something unexpected yes. um, that went in a good direction. So you can't always yeah. you can't mm-hmm. always assume that the outcome is going to be determined by what's happening at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you can't know what something's going to be. I think, yeah. you know, because Justin's even described balance as a car that started flying. And I think yeah. that's, a, that's always been such a perfect analogy for it because, right, it was like you hopped in to take a trip with your family. And then all of a sudden, it was this amazing thing that everybody was marveling about because you were suddenly uh-huh. in the air. Harry pottering around, flying <laughs> And then you got to fight a whomping willow. <laughs> Is Amnesty the whomping willow? Just kidding. Jesus. Down that balance. I'm in charge now. Well, now that Brittany's taken us into goof town, I can say <laughs> I like oh, that they talk about. Um, it's true. I've, I haven't visited her, but she's sent postcards. Um, 
I like that they addressed uh, Sven Gulli, which we've done on the show too, <laughs> of being like, what is, what was the the influence for Ned? Um, yeah. And they asked specifically about Sven Gulli, which is what we've talked about. I love that Justin mm-hmm. Newt was on MeTV. That's right. Back when I only had six channels, <laughs> you gotta know <laughs> which one is which. But I did not know about Creature Feature with Dr. Paul Bearer, which is a great name. But so I, I liked that little that little lesson on Ned's inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew there were some other shows, but I have not I have not seen any of the others. I'd only seen Spenguli. Right. I know yeah. Spenguli and then of course like Elvira, who's amazing. Yeah, yeah of course. Right. And like Classics, uh, what's his name? The Crypt um, Keeper. Right, I would say Tales of the Crypt. Joe Bob Briggs. Is also kind of in that vein. Oh, I don't know if I know that one. Yeah, I, he I has a show on TNT, TBS, um, like a billion years ago, and it has recently come back. Oh, um, I love the whole, it. The whole, his whole aesthetic is like he's in a trailer park um, oh. and talks about movies. It's It was an interesting show. I, I watched, I did watch that um, heavily when it was on in the 90s. I'm going to have to look it up. I said I didn't jump into this and like make my millions off living in a trailer park and talking about movies. Well, it was I, a fa- I mean it was a set. It was like thousands. <laughs> <laughs> here's the good news. There's still time. There's always time. Well, now we're just living in goof town. I mean, that's where we that's where we do our best, I think. Jumping into my only other note that I have. What are the thoughts about the live shows changing from balance? I'm glad you asked that because I was wondering that too. <laughs> that was <laughs> kind of the notes. elephant in the room, I think. It really is. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they addressed it though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I appreciate their insights. Mm-hmm. And I know, again, it's divisive, but my thought is, yeah, let's change it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've we've actually talked about this some, um, I believe, yeah. um, amongst ourselves, not not on yes. the show. but. Um, that not not that there was any drop in quality in the live shows because there there has not been, but I think we could sort of feel that in the air of like eventually they're going to have to shift this because you you worry about the possibility of there being a drop in quality because you just sort of spread your characters too thin at some point and you spread your ideas too right. thin and you need and to the players yeah yeah that you just kind of mm-hmm. have to put those toys back in the box so that you don't break them. Yes, um, mm-hmm. I like that, and and it's it's like it's a sad thing to do, but sometimes it's a necessary thing to do, and it also opens up, you know, so many other exciting possibilities of what yeah. of what that could mean. Um, I Absolutely. mean, I I definitely a hundred percent appreciate Justin being so candid about the the fear of you know right. you have to sell the theater, you have to sell the seats. Right, you have to be super upfront about the fact that hey, this is not yeah. going to be a Trace Honey Boys. This is going to be yeah. dust. This is going to be right a one-off. This is going to be something yeah. entirely different. If they did it, they would have to be very clear from months beforehand. Like we are, mm-hmm. we are now changing the formula yeah. for the live shows. I would honestly like to see them do. I mean, they kind of did a test show with Elementary too, which we're yeah. going to talk about later because that was also live. But, yeah. you know, maybe they could uh-huh. do like a test show like, hey, this is this is our kind of experimental like black box theater version of what we do and, sure. and see who shows up. Because I think a lot of people, um, you know, would show up and support them and be curious about what they were going to do. I do, too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I admit that I had not thought about what Griffin said about pacing and live shows and and the difficulty, oh. particularly with D&D, of trying to fit that in. I actually think about that a lot with how much I play D&D and yeah yeah. right and I'm like there's it's 
it's not impossible to get a whole game into, yeah, that tiny amount of time. Because just like mm-hmm. you said, you could spend an hour and a half dicking around in a tavern. We have. <laughs> We've definitely seen that happen. And yeah, that you've got to like be on your game, know what's going on and have that pacing time, especially now that they do the intermission. Yeah. They mm-hmm. need to know when that's going to happen. You can't just, okay, well, you know, it's been an hour. Let's all just take a pee break. Like it has to stop right. at the right time in the story. And yeah, that's, it's so hard. Yeah. I mean, I think I just hadn't thought about it because I've, I've never GM'd or DM'd um, a game before. So I don't, I don't mm-hmm. see it from that perspective. I think that's why these the the Adventure Zone Zone episodes are so good because you just do you get that extra insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes it's things you've been wondering, Indrid, and sometimes it's <laughs> things that you hadn't even thought. Travis's gasp with Indrid is so cute. <laughs> my note literally says, "Sorry that I like just hard jerked us over there," but um, yeah, because my note just says, um, "We haven't seen the last of Indrid." That's all I needed to hear. So that was great. The Adventure Zone Zone. We'll see everybody next time. I was so like, "Oh, good. Okay." Then I'm. My <laughs> answer was, that, "That's all I needed to know." Thank you. Goodbye. I have those exact same words <laughs> up mm-hmm. to Indrid, uh, all in caps, and then yeah, Travis's gasp. Never forget. <laughs> He's so excited that we have not seen the last of Indrid. Of course he is. Who could blame him? Mm -hmm. Uh, Can I take us back for a second? Back to live shows. Yes. Um, Mm. Just because I really enjoyed them sharing their favorite live shows. And I wanted us to share our favorite live shows if we have one. Do you ladies have a favorite live show? I think I know Nels. You guess it. Uh, Is it the high school high one? It's not. (gasps) Oh, <gasps> whoa. Then I have no idea. Listen, I listen to the Boston Live Stunt Spectacular when I just it's need something so fun. good. That one mm-hmm. is really extraordinary. And I think the reason is, is because, you know, because a, a lot of them named it as their favorite as well. And I think a big part of it is because in in real life, they're in a live setting. And in yeah. the story, they're in a live setting. So it's kind the of crowd the is ever playing the crowd. To, yeah. <laughs> So when Magnus does this dope stunt and the, everybody loses their mind, that just it plays like it is literally happening in the show. So I feel like mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. getting the vibe off of the boys playing off of the crowd, yeah. which means the Trace Horny boys are playing off of the crowd. And I feel like it's just it's that really I think that that's what does it. It's it's not just mm-hmm. the, the guys and what they're doing. It's the fact that they have this huge audience playing along with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that music. Come on. It's so good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's a really it's good so, one. It's so much fun. <laughs> it is. So that's mine. What about you? Um, and you go ahead. Yeah, I feel like this is a difficult question. I think when I've, when I've recommended live shows to people who haven't heard any of them, I've told them to start with Boston um, because I think mm-hmm. it's the best like selling like it's maybe the best kind of all around one it's accessible I'm yeah tempt- yeah i'm tempted to say san diego the tomb of horrors inspired one because that was the first time we were there that was yeah that was the first time i'd yeah. seen them live um and that was really exciting for me but i think mm, i think i'm probably gonna go with uh actually i think that was justin's choice too, the casino heist um oh because God, we so were good. also at that live show yeah and that was Ugh. the that was the first time i was at a live show where i was close enough that i could 
like see them. No kidding. Because um, I have terrible, terrible eyesight. So, um, and we were we... practically in their laps at that point. We, were... Griffins. we really were. <laughs> um, we were I really feel like close. we made eye contact with them during yes. the show. It was like, yeah. oh yeah, shit, we're really yeah. close. <laughs> and it was, I mean, I think there was something sort of stressful about that, but especially in the context of it being the Casino Heist episode, I think it really, it really upped yeah. the tension for me personally. Uh, and it was, it was a great show too. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed all of them. The ones that I've been at, the ones that I haven't. Yes. Um, so it's a difficult, it's like a favorite child kind of thing. But yeah, I'm going to go Casino Heist. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. B, what about you? I think I have to go with the high school one. I That one I, I would have guessed for you, yeah. I love that aesthetic. I think it's so you fun. You love a high school AU. I do. Yeah. I, hi, I'm a fan fiction writer. And she is. I love She's very good. AUs. And I think <laughs> I'm very good at it. Um, but I just... I don't know. I loved their play on it. I the only thing I didn't super enjoy is how separated they became when they had to go to their different classes. But I also found mm. that very charming that they all had their classes that they were going to be in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then when they're playing the basketball game and they bust out that music <laughs> and it's so dope, mm-hmm. like I just I don't know. I loved it. I thought it was super great. They save the world with dunks. Of course, one hundred percent. There's no other way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, like Anne said, they're all just so good. It's, it is mm-hmm. hard to choose just one, but I think we all nailed it in our choices. <laughs> we all disagree and well we're all right. Say right. any of them. Yeah. Well, you can't be wrong. You, yeah, you literally cannot. This is my favorite. You're wrong. It's not your favorite. <laughs> that is an incorrect answer. Thank you so much for playing. Get out of here. God. <laughs> All right. And so, and the thing that really kind of stood out to me is, and he almost was like a little hesitant about it, and I loved it, but Justin believes that he is ready Mm -hmm. to take the DM helm for real. And I really hope that they, like, I'm excited for whatever Travis's idea is, and Mm -hmm. maybe if Griffin has another idea, or even if Clint, but just the fact that we have only gotten just a tiny glimpse of Justin yeah. in his uh, DMing, GMing prowess that I would love to see him take a full season. Just, I want to see what he's able to do. Come on, yeah. let's do it. I do too. I feel like it would be, I feel like it would be more intense, actually. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I can't put my finger on why exactly. I just feel like for whatever it's worth, <laughs> I feel like Justin's more willing to... <laughs> Take a hard, take hard moves against his family. Mm. If He's he a needs person to. that knows what rules are, and I appreciate exactly that. <laughs> right. Not that Griffin doesn't abide by the game rules and his own rules, but you know, I feel like in general he's just a little bit softer, mm-hmm. and I think Justin might be a little bit harder. <laughs> I'm just saying. Maybe that's what he wants you to think. <laughs> Justin <laughs> played me again. Loyalty. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on. What's going on in that noggin? I'm very curious to to find out what kind of you know. I mean, because we've we've sort of seen some things that he's done um, that are more independent projects, um, like yeah. something like things I bought at Cheats, which weirdly <laughs> has kind of a narrative to it. Um, if you have seen the whole show, it, there is there is sort of some building on on previous episodes and sort of building a lore to the extent that you can in a show like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it does it does kind of happen like organically on its own. So yeah, I'm not I'm not sure um, what kind of story he would tell, but I am very interested to find out. And I was also I thought it was wonderful that 
his family was so supportive. I mean, I like, yeah. I, of course, they wouldn't have said mm-hmm. like, no way, <laughs> you know, like that would have been terrible. <laughs> they Ew, would not no. do that. But I want to do my thing. Yeah, but it was still, you know, it's 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 heartwarming to hear somebody being supported, especially because I'm I, I certainly when he was talking before about feeling like he he couldn't do that and that he didn't have a story to tell and and I was deeply frustrated by that because I think everybody has has yeah. stories to tell you just got to figure out how to get them out yeah and that, that's yeah. the hard part and and a lot of that comes down to confidence so I'm 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 very pleased to hear that he's gotten to that mm-hmm. I would say it could be super yeah. intimidating to yeah. do that it's very exposing really to tell stories sure. and, but yeah I'm proud that they've that they've gotten to the point where he might be ready to do that and I'm I'm excited to see what he does. Me yes. too. Thank goodness he's had some um some work with it with yeah. the four Sherlocks and a vampire <laughs> which is now morphed into five Sherlocks and a vampire. And yes. are we ready to talk about five Sherlocks and a vampire the bonus when they reached 15,000 yeah. new and upgrading donors. Thank you, everybody, who was a part of that <laughs> to make this wonderful thing happen for the rest yes. of us. <laughs> a gift for all of us, truly. So, yeah, I think we're, we are ready to move yeah. on. So if you are a sweet, dear listener who has not listened to the bonus content, feel free to check out here. And we will talk to you in a couple weeks when Amnesty comes back. And if you did listen to the bonus content... Scoot closer. Let's talk about it right now. Or just pause this. We're holding up a large neon sign that says spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Pause this. Go listen to the bonus content and then come, come back. On back. And, and we got you. <laughs> so you've listened to the bonus content. You've come back. Let's get into it. They played this game on the Joko Cruise. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they were joined by Patrick Rothfuss, who was mm-hmm. their fifth Sherlock. Did they all choose new Sherlocks this time? No. No. We had two recurring Sherlocks. Yeah, because Justin was already playing the Sega CD okay. Oh, right. <laughs> well, that's not who he was last time, though, was he? Yeah. No, I thought he was the. Oh boy. I thought he was the TV one. <laughs> Honestly, I have I I am a, a fairly hardcore Holmesian. I have spent a lot of time with all of these different versions, so you can't rely on me to remember which version they played previously. <laughs> oh. I was getting ready to rely on you to know all of them. Well, I like, know what, well, no, no, I know what the, the versions the are. I just she knows all of them. She's just not sure who they belong to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Got it. I got still it. wish someone had done Jeremy Brett. Well, I know Griffin played Benedict Cumberbatch. I can't say his name now. (laughs) Benedict Cumberbum. And he played him last time too, correct? I think so, yeah. thought. Did they choose? I I know they they had uh, Downey Jr. twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you right. So I think they were both there the two times. But I'm not sure if if those same boys played them. Clint was I did not, not listen. Clint was not Data one. Holmes last time. He was uh, no. Oh, Clint was a brand new. Yeah, <laughs> he was doing um, a movie version, uh, a specific movie version last time. Right from they might be giants. Yes. Oh. And then Patrick, I loved coming in with I also have to be <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, and then changing it out to be I am a Benedict Cumberbatch cosplayer <laughs> who's cosplaying as Sherlock, but also as a vampire? Question yeah. mark. He's got a cape. Ooh. Okay, so this is where yeah things are just gonna get buck wild. I don't even have notes for this one. <laughs> I have I have highlights. I, I have notes, but they make very little sense. <laughs> right. So I have two highlights and just the general idea that 
I feel like I would need to take a Percocet or something before I played any of these kinds of games because I'm <laughs> such a narc. I would be the person to be like, you're not doing it right. It has to be more important. You're done, <laughs> you're done fucked it up again. Golly. And just be like, now, now. Like, the, oh, so yeah. If I ever am playing these games, like, just make sure you dope me up real good first so I'm not like... <laughs> A total buzzkill the whole time. Ply her with something. Oh, that's good to know. And that's actually, <laughs> I, I had this note written down with Honey Heist. It really is. I really appreciate this kind of anything goes style mm. of gaming mm-hmm. when they come to these these one page RPGs. It's, it's crazy it's... to not have any kind of setup. Like they yeah. are rolling live to find the out barest. what they're doing where they're going to be. So like, you can't write, you can't write anything about it. You can't have like, well, this is my rough script. And then you, you'll fill in the blanks with character choices and whatnot. Like there's nothing. Yeah. It really, it's, it's collaboration as train wreck. (laughs) That's beautiful. Um, Like equal parts, dangerous, exciting, and deeply terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Which is how you wind up with a vampire slash Fraser convention on a cruise ship. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever think, this is going to take us wildly off topic, but I just thought of this. You know how, like, these days they had, like, I mean, and you know full well, they had, like, specific supernatural conventions. They do. And Brittany, back in the day, they had, like, I don't think, I don't know if you went to them, but they had, like, the Teen Wolf conventions. Mm -hmm. Do you think if Frasier was, like, I guess it it wouldn't because the the demographic is different, but I was, like, would there be Frasier-specific conventions in this day and age? I, I mean, now you, I think there could that be. be. Funny? <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, I think if you threw one now, people would probably think it was hilarious, and they would go mm-hmm. like semi-ironically. Yeah. It or yes. if it was sure, but then it's also like, but also is David Hyde Pierce going to be here? <laughs> or if it was like a pop up, like the Saved by the Bell Cafe, Fair. if there was some sort of, I guess it would be the uh, the coffee uh, yes. shop from Fraser as a pop up. I def wanted to go to the Max. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. I think you're right. Okay, well, we solved that one. <laughs> now we have a business venture. <laughs> Don't take it, anybody. <gasps> TM, TM, TM. <laughs> but, but at any rate, I mean, that, that's the thing that makes the most sense, honestly, in this episode. <laughs> the most logical <laughs> Is thing. Is the fact that it's a Fraser convention? Yeah. Or... I liked the idea of them having, like, the cutouts of the characters, but then they're also dressed as vampires. Like, okay, this is... <laughs> it's like Spirit Week at school, yeah. and, like, today mm-hmm. is Vampire Day. <laughs> Yeah, the whole thing, it's impossible. And if you've listened, which I hope you have if you're listening to us, it's not possible to take notes on this because it's just, it's so nonsensical Mm -hmm. that, and granted, and I love them, they are playing it just crazy pants. Like, (laughs) there's no rhyme or reason to what they're doing. And they acknowledge it all the time throughout the show, too, that just like, oh, God, we're so bad at this. Oh, no. Yeah, please end this misery. (laughs) Of course, it's not misery. We're all having the best time. And that's, you can see that, that they are just cracking up. Everyone in the audience is cracking up. They did talk about it at the Adventure Zone, 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 12 Zones. That they love doing that kind of stuff. Those one-pagers are fun in their absolute freedom and just goof-em-ups and yeah there's a fun word i can't think of shenanigans maybe shenanigans, shenanigans nonsensical ah, i don't know can't think of it did i say tomfoolery no no you didn't but that one works okay that was it that was what i was trying to think of yeah <laughs> but yeah it, it really is just because it 
I mean, I guess similar to kind of what I was saying about the Boston live show. It, not that, like, they had an audience necessarily in this murder scene that they're mm-hmm. trying to solve. Um, but you can tell that they're playing off of each other. And the audience, nobody knows where they're going, including the people driving the bus here. <laughs> uh-huh. And it just <laughs> ends up making it more and more funny as you're going. I feel like I, I have this tendency of doing this where I will be trying to, like, do my makeup while I'm listening <laughs> to one of these shows. And oh, it's the biggest mistake because yeah. once you get to the mascara, it's like, let me pause you guys or I'm, I will stab myself <laughs> in the eyeball. I've certainly had some close calls with sewing needles at various points listening to them. Yeah. So just, like, PSA... Maybe don't handle dangerous equipment or anything near your face (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you're listening to a hilarious episode like this. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it really becomes um, at some point like much closer. It's if there's if there's a scale between like games, tabletop games with really specific rules at one end and just improv at the other (laughs) end. Like this is skewing much further toward the improv end. Not that improv doesn't have internal rules. They're just different. Uh, and I'm not sure yeah. if they know them or not, to be honest. That is fair. Although it's delightful that they don't, I think, that they that they clearly don't know what they're doing and they don't know how they should be doing it. And then that's, you know, suddenly the Disney cruise has its own son. Um, right. <laughs> With that is two. also kind of three sons, so yes. it will look like a Mickey face. Yes. <laughs> so good. Well, and I think that that's a big part of it, too, is that even if, like, one or two of you is suddenly kind of picking it up and like, okay, I'm kind of, I'm getting my improv mm-hmm. on. I kind of get it. You will inevitably have a Clinton McRoy coming in who isn't quite paying attention or <laughs> is suddenly then throwing everything off the game. And now we have multiple, there was the sandwich with the, the yeah, paper in it or a cloth in it. Now it was cloth multiple... and then it turned into paper and then went back to cloth. <laughs> yeah. End, and then there I was also a partial shopping list. So there was a different piece of paper as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. That's I did it. very much enjoy uh, Patrick Rothfuss deciding to turn the multiple jars of inexplicable pickled herring into a joke about That's red herrings. <laughs> this is very mm-hmm. clever. Red herrings. That was so clever. I really liked the way Patrick played this. The fact that he then took to, like, one, the red herring joke was genius. And two, him taking to later on just mimicking what Griffin's character was doing (laughs) Uh was hilarious. Yeah, I I admit that at some point about halfway through, I wrote down a note that I I really want this to be like a short film. Like I want someone to try to take yes. this and shoot it like, you Just... know, the the reveal scene in a in a murder mystery. <laughs> but with all of this nonsense oh incorporated. Like yes. can we talk about the change in accent? Oh please. <laughs> when when it is revealed. It is finally revealed. And that's a wonderful moment too when uh, FMV Sherlock is like, I'd like to reveal or solve the case. They're like, oh, if the murderer's like, oh, oh God, God, no. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on with that. But I know there's a vampire among us. Uh, calls when out. Did he... Oh, go ahead. Off topic real quick. When did he need the disc changed? Because uh... he did play that and I loved uh-huh. it. But if we can't remember, don't worry about it. I just okay. It was right before they started getting was... down to the nitty gritty of, okay, we actually have to okay. wrap this up. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, Brittany, please continue. Okay. So he, after going through all of the clues that they had found that he could remember, and I believe having a disc change, correct? I think so. Okay, yes. wonderful. Well played. Um, he does <laughs> label the Benedict Cumberbatch, not the cosplay. <laughs> right. As being the vampire because of his 
his just absolute love of his neck after he took off the mascot. Mm. And Benedict just had to snap an old picture for the mind palace. And I lost my mind with that. It was so funny. And his just sudden burst out that he loves bats. So I was like, aha, got you. But yeah, right. their failure in keeping notes on anyone's quirks and Anything. and then just realize like oh yeah who who didn't like garlic raise of hands like how can i remember this <laughs> who was that who didn't want that on the sandwich <laughs> so yeah when griffin is revealed pardon me when benedict cumberbatch is Thank revealed you. to be the vampire and griffin goes back to his <laughs> straight up dracula voice which we've heard in the adventure zone it's still so funny live show before it's he does such a great job. I don't know if I could do that accent if I needed to. We'll see later <laughs> if we ever play this game. But yeah, it was it was so beautiful. That voice kills me every time. Griffin, clearly the real murderer here. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. I think the fact that he can do that voice, just, just you know, be aware of him. And I had actually figured out earlier on that he was the vampire because, him? yeah, mm-hmm. and not because of anything in the game, because at the beginning when whoever was the vampire was supposed to hold their thumbs up, yeah. something about the exact way people screamed, I was like, oh, it's Griffin. <laughs> And I have no idea why I thought that. But then at the end, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I did hear. Maybe that was a Griffin-specific vampire-related shriek. I don't know. (laughs) Something about the response. Man, I think you're a little too close. I think I was going to say maybe you're just like a soothsayer. Maybe I think Indeed. I think it was just um like the the tenor of of people the way that they scream is different when it's 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 Griffin because he's normally not a player. Um so I think the the response to That's that fair. would be different. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or maybe it was just I mean I had one in five chances of being right. <laughs> it might have just been yeah. that. I thought it was interesting the immediacy of the scream. Yeah. Like there was no It was so quick. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I picked it up from clues. Mm. Oh, so did you know before he... <laughs> oh, yeah. Before the reveal was made? Mm-hmm. Okay. Was it the bats thing? Yes. Because <laughs> you could get it from the neck That's for fair. sure. And then he kept saying, I'm out of the sun, but it's because I'm Benedict Cumberbatch. And I was like, eh, right. it could be. And then it was like, who else loves bats? I'm like, oh, he's a vampire for sure. <laughs> I think that... You know, that makes a lot of sense because then even because I don't think in the moment I was picking up enough mm. on it. You know, I was just kind of along for the ride and mm. not trying to like really figure there out. There was a lot happening. I think Travis was too. So, <laughs> right. Travis and I were just like, this is great. We had our <laughs> popcorn and everything. But it does make sense, especially because he's usually the yeah. one running a show and mm-hmm. especially a live show that he's like, we have to finish now. I'm just going to start shouting about things that will reveal that I'm a vampire. <laughs> I could see that being the case. Yeah. I like when fate intervenes. And makes the ending just really, really perfect when there's not only one vampire, but the other vampire just happened to be (laughs) the character that was also just following everything that the Benedict Cumberbatch was doing. And I thought that was adorable. (laughs) It really was. It was so good. Like, I, I super hoped it would happen. And I thought... Probably because, again, with Patrick, he had said, ooh, I stay after the light, but it's because I'm following Benedict. Like, I'm just super in his uh-huh. shadow. Yeah. And then he didn't like the garlic. So it's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Right. Possibly this guy. Like, definitely Griffin. Probably this one. And then, yeah. And then he puts on the accent. And then when Travis tries to start talking back at his terrible, wonderful British accent, but then follows Griffin into the Transylvanian one. I was like, oh, just throw all the papers behind you. This is just great. 
I would like to point out that I think Travis's uh, Robert Downey Jr. accent is actually staggeringly accurate because Robert Downey Jr.'s British accent is a disaster. <laughs> and I say that with great, great love of the man as an actor. But uh, it is, it's bad. It's real bad. It's like it's just wandering all over through various countries. Oh, and no. it's very... Um, so it was. I think that Travis's depiction of it was, was quite accurate. I appreciate Amazing. it. I appreciate him really leaning into like, let's make this a bad English accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for what it's worth, yeah, accents can be hard. And when you are faking one, if somebody else speaks again, oh, starts speaking in yeah. another one, mm-hmm. it's very oh, easy yeah. to just start. Oh yeah, me yeah. Too. It's, it's indicated again. by yep. anybody who's from a state with a specific accent who does who has lost that accent and then goes back. <laughs> like once you start oh, listening, I like yeah. I, I have that problem a little bit. Like if I. Even with the McElroy's, I think a little bit because Kentucky, Kentucky and West accent? Virginia are, are pretty close accents. Like, yeah, I can slip into it a little <laughs> bit more. I never had a strong accent, but um, but you can mm-hmm. like it's it just bleeds over into your speech. Oh yeah, and I think even with them, it's like certain mm-hmm. words and phrases. I imagine it's so that's maybe similar to what you experience. Yeah. Well, do you, do you want to know my most important lesson that I learned from this second episode of Elementary? Please, I'm the fact that they should continue doing this indefinitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went. I went just so many Holmeses that it's just a disaster, and then there has to be a Poirot for oh, no reason. Holmeses. Um, <laughs> I I have decided that I'm going to handle all complicated situations where I'm being questioned and do not want to answer by shouting Moriarty, uh, which they <laughs> oh. did more than once. It was like if it's starting to get awkward, just start screaming Moriarty at the top of your lungs. <laughs> That's what we will do now on this show. It is canon. It is said. Moriarty, take me to Honey Heist. Moriarty, <laughs> Moriarty pulled a Honey Heist, and now we got to go over and figure that out. Let's do it. Let's do our Hanna Barbera. Run over there. There we go. Because this is very Hanna Barbera as like I I saw this cartooned the fuck up the whole time. It was. Ah, May. Yeah, I wanted to draw fan art of their bears, but then I realized it was just going to look like we bear bears, and I'm not sure if that's good or bad. (laughs) I pictured all of this episode as being animated like we bear bears, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I'm glad you said that. You and I were in the same headspace. (laughs) We essentially have ice bear, grizz, and then a little sun bear with us. That's our team. (laughs) His little little necklace on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, welcome to Honey Heist, everybody. We have a convention to go to. I will say this right at the top. Mm -hmm. I was confused as I was listening to the beginning as to whether it was people inhabiting this world or if it was... It's bees. So, it's it's bees. Did it start as humans? This is... (laughs) The premise of Honey Heist, because I I did actually run my own game of you this. You ran this. We have an expert. Is that, oh, yeah. <laughs> Super expert over here. Um, you are supposed to be bears in a human world who can't talk. Like, you're bears. And <laughs> so the fact that they immediately threw that rule right out with... Uh, Got it. With Gurf. Am I saying that correctly? Mm-hmm. Yes. Gurf with three yes. R's having a house and kids and like needs to get his his cub braces i was like oh okay we're playing it that way that's fine and then travis coming in with the the bees but they're this is where i did get confused because like are they bees like we know bees or are they bees like anthropomorphic bees are they larger than the average it was apparently all of the above i think i think so that's that's what i took away 
<laughs> okay. Very I'm glad I wasn't the only one who just kind of like missed it. And I listened to it twice and I was still like, why do I think at the beginning they should all be? But I think it's because then you're just as people like B. Arthur and yeah. like Beyonce. Yeah. Is a, uh-huh. is a, and well, Jerry and Seinfeld is, is a B. Like, Wait. Because Travis says later that Beyonce is a B. But they're also selling uh-huh. B okay. costumes at great. the con for Bs. Exactly. It's, it's right. very, it's a lot of layers. You know, it's, it's just. It's so complex. <laughs> they just happen to have one large enough to fit a grizzly bear. Perfect. Yeah. Who says he is five so, yeah. bees? <laughs> so maybe bees are just kind of small. Maybe bees are like half Yeah. Size. Well, they were also summoned in jars. It's it's very, I, you know, That's the true. universe of the bees was evolving really over time. And it's hard to say. Uh, the, we, you can again, for just you can tell that Travis has convention organization experience because he does have extremely specific yes. details about the layout and content of this convention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't worry about the bees. Oh, <laughs> I was just gonna say this is another one of those kind of like super open. You have the absolute. It's a little bit more controlled than for Sherlock's because you do yeah. have yeah a, a setting per se, like that should already be set up and like kind of an idea of what's going on. Um, And you can plan that ahead of time, but it's still super duper. So it doesn't have to be a convention. It has to be a convention, but where it is, is up to a role. Oh, okay. So when I I ran it, I didn't plan anything ahead. I just, when they were creating their bears, I was creating the setting. And, and so, yeah, I don't know how much pre-planning he did, in deciding, because it seemed sure. like a bit like he seemed to have his he, wherewithal he was at on. least ready. Yeah, he had a bit of a script, absolutely. But then I do think he kind of lost himself in deciding what kind of a world it is. Yeah, is it bees? Are they human sized <laughs> right. bees? Are they are they humans dressed as bees? Like what's going on? Who knows? Who cares? Yeah, we we got bears, so you're like great. Just run with it. Yeah, it is confusing, much like. Like the B movie is, as I understand it. I have not, I've never seen B movie, I, but I, I have heard oh, more girl. than I would like Everyone to about the plot. Pause your podcast and go watch B movie. It's actually not bad. I, it's weird for sure, but I think it's funny. I like B movie. <laughs> Even when they weren't sure of his name, I was like Barry B Benson. I got you. <laughs> is our bonus episode going to have to be like me watching the B movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> As we're doing this bonus episode about their bonus episodes. I mean, B-Movie, though, is just about bees. That's okay. Everybody can just, if, you, if you're if you curious, <laughs> go watch B-Movie, everybody. But so for, I will say, for as much as, like, Travis was just rolling with everything, which I love, because then, like, you're not getting all hung up on anything or, like, trying to, I mean, I guess even as, like, the game master, yeah. you're not trying to control the game at all. Um, but I really, I loved Griffin's approach in treating everything like part of the plan oh yeah that was the best way to do it any failed role was like yes exactly what i wanted to happen again you could tell he's a game master he knows how to keep things rolling and not get sidetracked or derailed and and just a funny boy yeah i mean he's kind of funny but I mean, if you really have to good prioritize. Is this a scale, like, between criminal and bear? You yes. To... You have yes. to move them back and forth. <laughs> between game master and funny. Which one's more important? And what happens when you go full? Uh, did you girls think somebody was going to go full bear or full c- criminal at some point during this game? Yeah, they came really close. I really hoped someone would. They were so well, close. Well, doesn't it end bear. the game, though, if you if you do? So, yeah, I they mean, so that wouldn't for have been that any person. fun. Oh. oh, okay. Well, but so still, that's kind of, that would have been right. kind of not as much fun. 
I think coming close was the best iteration. Same. Agreed. Or, or I think what you could do, because again, these are, these are professionals. Let's call them what they are. They're professional <laughs> yeah. game players. And I think they could do it that if someone had gone full criminal or full bear, they would have kept them in. It just would have been an added element now. Mm. I could see that like, being Okay, so now we've got to get around this guy who is fully mauling all the bees <laughs> or just like chewing on everything. And if it was Griffin, wait, was Griffin the one that almost went full bear? Yeah. The Thomas yes. Crown affair, please. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like they would have played that like all part of the plan still like, and then I'll go full bear. And then, yes. you know, that'll be the they distraction. They totally would have. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Because even then, yeah, when they've Justin tried to criminal. turn on them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Amazing. <laughs> they put it as part of the plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you mentioned the Thomas Crown Affair, which yeah. perfect. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about their names real quick. As a big fan of, let's say, non-traditional names, uh, the Thomas Crown Affair is such a choice selection. Oh my God. The Thomas Crown Affair, incredible. The Puka Malone, which was Hookah Malone, but then they decided Puka was cuter. <laughs> it is. And it's he's a, a sun bear, name. and sun bears are very cute, so it makes sense. And then Gurf, who then has a cub, Plurf, who needs braces. <laughs> And my favorite one, when they're doing the flashback scene to his house, <laughs> where they're planning the heist, and he yells at them for being loud because Gerbecca's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it was Gerbecca who wanted up meeting the vacuum. Oh. Yeah. So you're saying in the original game, you're not the bears aren't supposed to talk at all? No. You're, you're, there's, they can mangle human speech to talk to the other people. Okay. Huh. And, and they can talk to each other just fine. And it does say oh, in the okay. rules that, yeah, you if you get too close <laughs> to Bear, you could have the flashback oh. scene to move a point from Bear to Criminal. Um, and, and that should take place in something like a CD bar. So clearly, like, oh, uh, okay. they're, they're playing loose with the rules, too. Yeah, but yeah. that's kind of the idea is that, sure. yeah, you are Bears and you're in. <laughs> something they skipped over entirely is the human disguises. So oh. There's, oh. Uh, there's a whole page where you roll... Four die, four forty six to get to find out what color. Like you have yellow mittens, you have a tartan jacket, oh. and then you add all those together, and then you can have a bonus uh, accessory that could either be plus or negative to your score, and that's your human believability score. Oh, interesting. And so when you go then talk to humans, I or whoever the game master is will roll their force d6 to see if they believe you or not that you are yeah you're just um. another human hanging out hanging out here at Honeycon or yeah no, this is a bear and this bear needs to go yeah okay. i mean i guess they decided that so, yeah. for one thing like that mechanic would have kind of complicated what they were doing since they knew they needed it to mm-hmm. be pretty straightforward like even for oh, a simple yeah. rpg that maybe it wasn't worth it but honestly i wonder if the whole b thing came about largely because travis came up with this the uh the tagline for Honeycon, and just loved the joke so much that he decided to roll with it, which would be understandable. <laughs> it, be. it was very good. B. And then you don't need your human yeah. disguises necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is funny because, yeah, in this one, and I think that's part of why I was imagining a wee bear bear scenario because it was a little like, wait a minute, are you a bear? But then, like, nobody was upset that bears were just roaming yeah. around Honeycon. <laughs> right. So that's why I had to wonder. Yeah, I think maybe it would have just been kind of a distraction from what they were doing, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I love what they came up with, and even, like, their bear voices were <laughs> oh all so gosh. good. Justin, 
Clang Esger. <laughs> the fact he's that just he, too talented. He falls yeah. so quickly into it. He's yeah. a chameleon. That uh, hearkening now back to the 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 Adventures of Zone when he was talking about like you know getting into character and kind of building into it and like I feel like he is just Gurf like this this is the character he was supposed to make for his Gurf entire life yeah like yeah. he he went into it and the voice the person like the little tick 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 he'd do like when oh he, God, he knew exactly. he was getting into oh my that gosh yeah so good yeah, when he first busted that out, I think when he's like negotiating with the the, mm-hmm. the person who's selling the bee, well, the bee who's selling the bee costume, and and it's uh-huh. was, um, I was I was like I don't, I don't know if this is kind of hot or kind of scary <laughs> right, or like, funny. I'm not really sure how to react to this, but because I I don't I don't think I expected that voice somehow. Like I mean, it it, mm-hmm. it totally fits the character. But I guess yes. I didn't expect it yeah. to come out of him at that point in time. That's fair. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's a really good voice If work. you look at that adorable little elfish face of Justin McElroy, yeah, <laughs> yeah that voice does not relate to that face yeah. at all. Because I just always see him, like, kind of smiling, like a little, like, a little imp, yeah. almost. <laughs> and that voice does not match. But yeah, very good. Even Traff said he was a little afraid of him in the moment. Yeah. It was like, okay, all right, I see what you're playing here. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly, I guess at least as a convention vendor, I've, I've never had a, a, a bear with a voice like that threaten my life for a discount. <laughs> like, Not yet. All the things that have happened. Not that one. There's time. I also I really, like, I really, really quickly want to give Griffin a shout out for making the the dig at the the boxes the blind boxes that they oh sell at conventions yes. and that they're always full of gar- garbage for yeah sale. as a person who is in direct competition <laughs> with giant giant towers of those um i appreciate him <laughs> you know he called it like he saw it speaking of the blind boxes i do want to give a shout out to clint for i think following the idea behind what was on the paper the closest and the idea of like I'm like that's kind of really going with the idea that like I don't really talk I'm doing my best as a bear yeah I've learned some mangling of human speech and he did great he really did that's all all three of them brought such different elements to these characters and it played together so perfectly to that effect though that actually reminds me the thought that almost all four of them were unhinged. <laughs> if like if they yes. <laughs> like that in itself, I'm glad that they didn't have like repeat rules. Yeah. But damn, oh if they had, that, that would have been, been so an amazing funny. game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, they all played it so differently, and I loved yeah Clint being the face and being like oh okay well then I'm this sun bear who has to go and like make good and mm-hmm. you know he's gonna be the charming one and pretend to be Jerry Seinfeld when he goes to Beyonce's oh dressing room why not? Yeah I imagine when they started this bear RPG he was not expecting that he was going to <laughs> impersonate both Jerry Seinfeld and Jason Alexander in the same episode <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how can you guess something like that? When you wake up in the morning, that is not your plan for the day. Uh, like, will that happen today? Is this the day? <laughs> oh, too many goofs. 
Oh, so <laughs> too good. many, way too many. And, and it's again, this anything goes style of gaming where like there is a rough idea, but at the same time you can do things like, oh, I took a syringe of sleepy time, whatever, and I'm going to try to inject this person, but then it breaks, but don't worry, I have another. I'm going to retcon it really quickly. Oh, and then it turns out I have a third, because now, now we're going back and deciding that Gurf wasn't part of the plan, but he was. Uh. I, I, I really loved this Justin, is... just that they Griffin was trying to trying to retcon, and he was retconning trying their retcon. Like, no, I'm not letting you get away with this. I do think everyone needs to watch Ocean's Eleven. Yes. And Ocean's 8. Just and because. And then come Absolutely. back and play this game. Like, get yourself in that yeah. good heisty mindset of all, yeah, the twists and turns and the plans and the secret plans and the plan on the plan. And when that fails, like, we were planning to fail, so then this could happen. <laughs> yeah, I call Kate Blanchett. <sighs> <sighs> Never That's mind, my I don't bear. want to play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany's going home. <laughs> I genuinely don't even remember how it ended. I just remember laughing oh. a lot and that, yeah, there were lots of like, Jerry Seinfeld was a bee the whole time or well, a bear. He was right. a bear. Was, okay. He was uh, Burf, who was Gurf's brother. Evil brother. <laughs> but then, don't worry, because Waxman, who was it? Harvey Waxman ended up being Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> the bee ended up being Jerry Seinfeld. And they all won. They got the thing because Puka got his money. Uh-huh. To go back to cosmetology and school. Gerf's, yes. Rebecca got her braces. And then uh, the Thomas Crown Affair ended up at lunch with Jerry Seinfeld and who was it? Dennis, no. Dennis Leary. Thank you. <laughs> and then he eats Dennis Leary. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bear Hand and Jerry Hand high five, freeze frame. <laughs> and then oh, the last perfect. thing we see is the title card that comes up and says, the bears will be back in Honey Eyes 2 in 2020. <laughs> Perfect. I cannot wait. And that's how it ended. <laughs> it's the best cartoon I ever saw in my brain. I mean, I know that this is probably a question that the answer is yes, absolutely. Is there anything we forgot to mention now that we wanted to know? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I like. I feel like there's so much, and I got ten minutes. So yeah. Uh, I just want to say that how delightful it is to hear in both of these to hear Griffin get a chance to play. I really like hearing him play. I mean, yes. I, I like hearing uh, other people DM DM in this case as well. But um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just something yeah. extra special about uh, Griffin have the op- having the opportunity to do that. Right yes. to like step away from the controls yeah. and be the person just kind of playing along with everybody, especially in these things that are deliberately chaos. Yeah, you can hear mm-hmm. him having a lot of fun with it, and that's really nice. Yeah. Uh, I like that there were Deadpool cosplayers at this honey con, <laughs> just because there's always going to be a Deadpool cosplayer. There's a the guy who was just cutting the neighbor's yard. Deadpool cosplayer. They're just <laughs> everywhere. My pilot, Deadpool. OMG. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are going to get to the results of our last episode's poll next time. Uh, but seeing as this is a special episode, we have a special question to ask you. We want to know if we were to run a one-page RPG for a bonus episode, what game should we play? We will have that pull up over on our Twitter, at RomancingZone, and we'll meet you all back here in two weeks for more Amnesty. Till then, thank you so much for listening. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. And we've been Romancing the Zone. (laughs) 